Could you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 1. Before everybody scurries off to uh, weddings and holidays, I thought I would just give the introduction to my new series. I was sharing with John at the back there. The Lord might come before I finish. I'm intending to uh, work through the book of Hebrews. So I'd like to read chapter 1, that's the beginning of the book, and uh, ask you to join with me as I read from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in the time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my beloved son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou, shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? And they are not all. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And we thank the Lord for the reading of his word. I'll just, just commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to open up the Bible and have that in our own language uh, and we're able to come to church and uh, Lord share a message around your word and we pray that as we meet that your Holy Spirit might give us understanding and Father if there's an an encouragement that we might need we pray that you would give it to us in Jesus precious name. Amen. Today I want to see if we can solve one of the greatest uh, mysteries of the New Testament. I think we should be up, up for it. Um, we, we've just read this wonderful beginning to the book of Hebrews, but the question I want to try to answer today is, who wrote the book? Who wrote the book of Hebrews? We all have it in our Bibles. Uh, we've probably read it a few times. Uh, so the question remains, who wrote the book? The author nowhere gives his name 
uh, in the book, so we have to do a bit of investigation ourselves. Uh, who wrote the book of Hebrews is basically my, my brief today. and It won't take much of your time. Now, before we look at the evidence uh, for who might have written the book, I want us to, see, to show you firstly that the book was written by one person to a particular group of believers. And so that's really my first point today. It was written by one person to a particular group of, uh, to a particular group, a single group. And I just want to look up a few Bible verses to ask you to join with me. Let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 5, um, just to show um, the, that it was written by a single person and it was written to a particular group of people. Uh, chapter 5, verse uh, 10 to 12, uh, just to give the context, a called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be under uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and to become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So here the author scolds his readers for being dull of hearing. Now, I've never done that to you guys, okay? <laughs> I'm pretty bad. I can't hear much myself. But uh, he's not talking about inability to physically hear, but to hear the word of God. And he, he scolds them for, for being dull of hearing and still needing to be fed with spiritual milk. I should be able by this time in your spiritual development to, to give you meat, spiritual meat, but no, you still need milk. So he, were, he was clearly writing to a specific group of people, probably a church congregation that he had known for a long time. You don't speak to people uh, in that way unless you know them. Have a look in chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Chapter 6 verse 9 says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we speak thus, or thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love which ye have showed toward his name in that we, ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. The, earth, the author here refers to the, his readers as my beloved. So obviously there was a relationship between this person and those he was writing to and he, he refers to them as his beloved and those whose love and good works he was aware of, not just him, but others also were aware of the love and good works of this particular group of people. So obviously there's a relationship between the author and uh, this specific group of people. Have a look in chapter 10, Hebrews 10 verse 32 to 34. Hebrews 10:32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made gazing stock, a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. The author here reminds his readers of the trouble that had come to them when they had first, when they were first saved. They were saved and because of uh, their faith in Christ, they had suffered persecution, they'd suffered affliction. And he reminds this group of people of the time 
and the trouble that came when they were saved. He refers to them as ye, that is plural, of course. That's how King James always reminds us that if it's ye or you, it's more than one. That's why we, at school we've got the King James as our Bible. Ye and you is always plural. But you'll see that he refers to himself as me or my. That's singular. And so this shows us that there's a one person, the me and the my, uh, speaking to or writing to a group of people uh, that he was familiar with. Uh, it's clear that he, he knew these people, uh, he knew what they had experienced and they knew him and what he had endured for Christ and in fact they were willing to spoil their goods, they were willing to support him through his bonds. He had compassion on me in my bonds. And so this book was written by one person to a specific group, probably a church, that the author knew intimately. Now, the reason I, I want to make a point of that is, is because the, the, book, the heading to the book is to the Hebrews. And it makes it sound like a general epistle, but it's not really a general epistle. It's an epistle written by one person to a specific group of people that the author knew well. Uh, Peter, on the other hand, uh, when you read the, right at the beginning of 1 Peter, uh, he wrote to the strangers scattered through, throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So Peter was writing not just to a specific group, he was writing to all these strangers, basically Jewish believers, all around the empire. The book of Hebrews is not like that. It is a book written by one person to a specific group of people. And so, Hebrews was written by one person, but who was it? Who, was, who wrote uh, Hebrews? Well, I thought it might be good for us to know what the experts say about it, okay? And not being an expert myself, what do the experts, you know, the, the church historians or, or the church fathers, uh, what have they to say on the subject? And so as having, knowing that it was written by one person to a specific group of people, let's have a look at the experts' opinion. Now, we might call this the external evidence that might help us determine who wrote the book. Did somebody in history say this person wrote it or uh, one group of people or maybe a church father refer to this person by name? So what is the external evidence? What do the experts say? Well, unfortunately, there is a wide difference of opinion among the experts about who wrote the book. <clears throat> For example, at the end of my, you, you know, that little Esau, that... Uh, I use the e-sword uh, on my computer, that's my Bible program. And, and at the end of, uh, of, of the e-sword version of Hebrews, it, right after the last verse, it says this, written to the Hebrews from Italy by Timothy. There you go. Uh, so that's what the publishers of e-sword think uh, about who wrote the book. Of course, that it was written to the Hebrews from Italy by Timothy. It was, that's just what the publishers wrote, not what the author wrote. Be so much easier if the author wrote that right at the back end of his uh, letter and said, hmm, I wrote this from here and my name is, but he didn't. That's what the Esau publishers thought. And so they thought Timothy wrote Hebrews, but, but Timothy doesn't get many votes from the other experts. Uh, on the whole, Western Christendom, and, and that is basically the Catholics and the Protestants, uh, they think it was written by Paul. Uh, but Eastern Christendom, that's all the Orthodox churches, uh, they think it was written by someone else. 
And even then, within those Western and Eastern camps, uh, there are many who differ among themselves as to who was the author of this book. Now, Clement of Rome, he's one of the earliest church fathers, and he wrote his first epistle in 95 AD. And he, he, he's probably the Clement that is mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, Clement. Um, he quoted the book of Hebrews on a number of occasions. It's clear that he, he had knew the content of the book and he quoted Hebrews, but he unfortunately didn't name the author. Maybe he was the author of Hebrews. Uh, Clement, that's a, perhaps one of the, the, the suspects. Well, um, that's probably the earliest reference to Hebrews that we know, but he again didn't name the author. Now, those who've been touted by the experts to be the author of Hebrews, uh, uh, some of those that have been touted are Barnabas, uh, Apollos, uh, Luke, Dr. Luke, and others. Uh, the, the, the Greek of Hebrews is a kind of a higher Greek. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a step above other, the other Greek of, uh, of, the other, of, of the other epistles. And so it was obviously somebody who was expert in Greek. But some of the, uh, the experts think maybe it was Barnabas, maybe it was Apollos, maybe it was Luke. Without, but without doubt, the largest contingent of experts would say that Paul was the author, the Apostle Paul. So what is the internal evidence? The external evidence tells us that nobody really knows. Maybe Paul. What is the, so what is the internal evidence for Pauline authorship? So having seen the experts' opinion... What's the evidence for Paul in the book? So turn to Hebrews, if you're not, might already be there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. I'll just give you a few of the evidences that people give for Pauline um, authorship. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Here the, or the writer, the author, after the Hebrews quotes uh, this verse from the Old Testament, now the just shall live by faith. Now, if you know your Bible, you know the epistles of Paul, you know that Paul quoted this on two occasions in his epistles. In Galatians 3.11 is one of those, I'll just read it to you. But, no man, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. By faith. So the writer to the Hebrews quotes this verse, the just shall live by faith, and Paul quotes this in, in Galatians and in the book of Romans. Both really are quotes from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. So they, they really aren't something new or original to these authors. It's not something that God revealed to the author of Hebrews and revealed to Paul that only Paul knew about and he wrote, if he was writing the book of Hebrews, he wrote it there. So it's not really... Um, a, a strong evidence for Pauline authorship. But the Galatians verse highlights another slim similarity between Paul's epistles and Hebrews. In both of these books, uh, there, is, there is similar teaching about the ending of the Mosaic Covenant and reliance upon the, the law and the bringing in of the New Covenant. Uh, there are similarities, but definitely not the same kind of teaching. Um, if you've read Paul's epistles, and you've read uh, the book of Hebrews, very similar reference to the ending of the Mosaic law and bringing of the new covenant, similar, but not the same. And the Christology in both books, what they taught about Christ, 
uh, is similar in Paul, Paul's epistles uh, but, uh, to, to that which is in the Hebrews, but not the same. And so this is uh, some of the evidence people would give for the, Paul being the author of this book. Another possible evidence is, the, is that the author has been in prison. Just go back there to Hebrews 10.34. I wonder if you noted when he wrote there, for you had compassion of me in my bonds. Now, when we read about that, we think about prison. We think about a jail sentence. And so it's clear that the author of Hebrews has been in prison at some time. Perhaps it was Silas. I don't know. We are doing him in Sunday school. Um, could have been Paul because we all know that Paul had been in prison. Now, if you put that verse with Hebrews chapter 13, verse 24. So let's just flip over to Hebrews 13, 24. Second last verse, salute all them that have the, tr the rule over you and all the saints. And then he says, they of Italy salute you. They of Italy salute you. And so he put these two things together. The author of the Hebrews had been in prison and uh, here at the end of the, the epistle he, he sends a greeting from Italy. Now we know that Paul had two imprisonments in Rome and we know that he wrote four of his epistles while in prison in Rome. And so some think this is evidence again of Pauline apostleship, authorship, sorry. Um, but if you read one verse back in verse 23, uh, we read this. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom if he comes shortly, I will see you. Now, um, what we read there in verse three, 23 about Timothy doesn't fit with anything we read in Acts, all the Timothys. Uh, firstly, Paul usually referred to Timothy as his son in the faith, but it, there are a few occasions he calls him brother Timothy, uh, but uh, here he refers to him not as a son, but as his brother. Uh, and also we read here, it seems like he's speaking about a, a Timothy being released from prison. And, you know, and that doesn't connect with the history of Paul. If you'll read to, through the Acts and you read through First and Second Timothy, there's, there's nothing there about Paul, uh, Timothy being in prison. Now, he may have been, but there's nothing in the record in Acts or the Timothys that suggests that. It doesn't connect with the history of Paul. Sure, the author of the Hebrews has been in jail sometime in the past uh, and, and he's written, written a greeting to the they of Italy salute you, a greeting uh, from the Italians. Uh, but this is, I don't think, really a strong evidence, conclusive evidence for Pauline uh, authorship. So these are some of the internal evidences that point to Paul being its author. But again, they're not conclusive. So, having seen the evidence for Pauline authorship, what evidence is there that Pauline didn't write Hebrews? That Paul didn't write Hebrews? So, what is the evidence against Paul being the author? Well, the first thing, I think, is that Paul, uh, the, author of the, the author to uh, the Hebrews doesn't give his name. He doesn't give his name. Where in Paul's 13 known epistles, he always gives his name, he often gives his title, and he usually gives the name of the person he writes to. Well, none of that appears in the book 
of Hebrews. For example, when Paul wrote to churches, I'll just read, these are the very first words of each of these epistles. Romans 1.1, 1, 1. the first word is Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle. Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. So writing to, to churches, he always starts with his own name and often with a title. And when he was writing to individuals, it was the same. 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, that's the very first word that appears in that epistle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then in Titus 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of God. And so in all the 13 epistles we know Paul wrote, basically the first word in the whole of the epistle is his name and often his title. And then he'll, somewhere along he'll say to whom he has written the epistles. But Hebrews begins, Hebrews 1.1 begins with God, who at some times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. You see, unlike all of Paul's epistles, the author to the Hebrews doesn't give his name, doesn't give his title anywhere in the book. Hence, the mystery we're trying to solve. It's so different to all the 13 epistles that we know Paul wrote. Now, some people have suggested the reason for Paul not putting his name here in uh, Hebrews, if, if he wrote the book, was because it wasn't a letter, an epistle, but a kind of homily or sermon, uh, like when he spoke to the church in Antioch, in Acts chapter 14, Antioch and Pisidia on his first missionary journey. Paul sort of gave this big sermon, but he didn't write it, he gave it. I uh, spoke it, uh, gave the history of Israel and all sorts of things led up to, the, to, to showing that Jesus was the Messiah. And so some people think that Hebrews was Paul giving a homily, not a letter. But let's go to Hebrews 13, 22, because it refutes the idea that this wasn't a letter, but just a homily. Hebrews 13, 22. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. So as those people who say, well, Paul, this, Paul didn't give his name and he didn't give his title because it's not as a letter but a homily, but Paul said very clearly here at the end, I have written you a letter. Uh, now the, the words written a letter are the same. It's just one Greek word. It's the, it's the verb of epistle. It's the word epistolo. Uh, so the author himself told his readers that he had written an epistle to them. Now he thought it was a short one. I've written a letter unto you in few words. It's like some preachers I know. Their, their sermons, they think they're short, but they're not quite short. But uh, this was his epistle to the church. And so the argument that Paul didn't put his name or his title or anything else that show who he was, was because this wasn't an epistle are clearly wrong. So if Paul, it was Paul who wrote this epistle, it's totally out of character for him not to give his name and his title. And you have to understand in first century Christendom, giving your title as an apostle gave you authority. For him to not give his title meant that he was sort of, would have lost that sense of an authority. Uh, he, being an apostle of Jesus Christ gave him 
his epistles and authority. So why wouldn't he use that here uh, if he wrote it? Because he's going to say some very, very deep, uh, share some very deep doctrines about the Christian faith. He's going to make it difficult for the Jewish believers to, to understand or to, to, to accept what he's reading. He's going to really scold them uh, for certain things. Uh, why not use his a title as an apostle to give authority to his message if it was him that wrote it. It seems to me that would be very odd that he didn't. So that's my first evidence that it's not Paul. There's a second evidence, and uh, this has only got two, so you don't need to worry. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Hebrews 2, 3 and 4. Wonderful verses, but can you see the generations here? For if the word spoken by, yeah, verse three and four, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own works. Now, there are three groups mentioned here. Can you see them? The first is the Lord, who first spoke about our salvation. And then those that were heard him, these were the apostles, because you see, God bore witness that they were the apostles by the signs and wonders that they performed. There is the Lord. There are those that heard him, God bearing them witness with the signs and wonders. And then the third group are the us who had that salvation message confirmed to them by the apostles. The author of Hebrews puts himself in the third group, the us, and hence not as one of the apostles. Now, we've just spent probably a couple of years <laughs> uh, working through First and Second Corinthians. And there we saw Paul constantly asserting uh, his apostolic credentials because people were questioning that he was even an apostle. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 5, he said, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. The author of Hebrews puts himself in the non-apostolic group and nowhere in the epistle does he claim apostolic authority. If this is the case, if, if, that, if the writer to the Hebrews is putting himself in that third group, then it's unlikely Paul wrote this epistle. Luther rejected Paul in epistle just on then this one passage alone. And so there's two evidences against Paul's authorship. So we see what the experts uh, say. They're divided. Here's some evidences for. There's some evidences against. Um, and you can make up your own mind. So what's the conclusion? Who wrote the book of Hebrews? The conclusion I've come to is that we don't really know <laughs> who the human author of Hebrews was. So you're not going to hear some new thing from me today. If Western Christendom and Eastern Christendom can't agree on it, then <laughs> this little pastor from Coffs Harbour doesn't know either. We don't know who the human author was, but we do know the divine author was the Holy Spirit of God. And in his divine wisdom, for reasons he only knows, he chose not 
to record the human author he used to pen the book. If we see that's the Holy Spirit who is breathing this these words into the writer, the author of the, the book, then the Holy Spirit has decided not to tell us. And if he's decided not to tell us, then it mustn't be important for us to know or he would have told us. Perhaps for some reason, it's not good for us to know who wrote the book. Think about that. Think about all of the eras, right, from the first, when it was first penned, right through the eras of history. Maybe it was good for certain generations not to know who wrote the book. But uh, there is, I believe, an application just in this alone that we don't know. Because you've you always got to find an application, don't you, to the sermon. There is an application for us to take home. What we can take from this is that we, we don't always have to know. We don't always have to know. People can become anxious. They can get stumped when, when they don't know something. Uh, when we don't know or, or we can't understand what God is doing in our lives, it stumps them and they, and they don't move on. Or we don't know who gave us that gift or who made that criticism. It can be anything. It's some, anything that we don't know and can slow us down and stop us from moving on because we don't know. It can be something about God or a Bible doctrine that we, we just can't understand it and we can get stuck and not grow because we don't know. Oftentimes I think God keeps certain knowledge from us because he doesn't think we can handle it. Certainly that's what Paul said to Sorry, the, writer, the author said to the Hebrews, we, we can't give you the meat. You can't handle it yet. There were things that they didn't know because they couldn't handle it. And oftentimes God keeps certain knowledge from us because he doesn't think we can handle it or because it might affect our ability to serve him without fear or prejudice. If we know this, this fact or we know this about someone or whatever it is, it might affect our ability to minister to that person or without fear or prejudice. But we need to know that when he has called us to live for him and to serve him, he always gives us enough knowledge. He always gives us enough information to be able to trust him and do his will. We must always just go on with the information, with the, the, the knowledge that he has given us because obviously that's enough for us to go on. We know Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We can probably quote it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart because he knows everything. And lead not to thine own understanding because we don't know some things but we have enough information to do his will. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths because he and he only knows what's ahead even if we don't. And so I guess the application for us is we don't need to know some things and we won't always know everything but we need to trust in the Lord and move on. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And so it's a, still a secret. After all these years, who wrote Hebrews? And when I get to, and when I get to heaven, <laughs> I'm going to get all, around all of those who've been suggested as the author, and I'm just going to ask them one question, Barnabas, is it, did, did you write the book? 
uh, <laughs> Apollos, did you write the book? Uh, I'm just going to get around them all and just say, see if I can find the answer to that question. Who wrote Hebrews is one of the secret things that belongs to the Lord. But those things that have been revealed to us in the book of Hebrews, brethren, they are for us. He hasn't told us the name, but all that has been revealed to us in the book of Hebrews, these things are for us, praise the Lord. So next time, even though we don't know who wrote the book, we'll start to look at what it has to say to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the reminder today that we need to, to trust in you, even though we don't understand everything or know everything. And Father, if there's somebody here today who's struggling in some way because they don't know something or they're uncertain of something, I pray that they will trust in you and know that uh, you, you, you know, you know whatever it is, and that you've given them enough knowledge to go on to serve you. Help us not to get stuck. Help us not to become bogged down by trying to find out things that we really can't know. But Father, we thank you that you know the way ahead and we can trust you to guide our paths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.